That's good. It's always good to be back in, in Derby. How are you doing? You okay? I had, had a text from Pastor Dave this morning. You know, Dave's down in Northampton. He said, don't, don't ruin the church, Gary. <laughs> so we'll see what happens this morning, but I think we'll be okay. You look a bit nervous. Everybody okay? You all right? Okay, good. Big cold this morning, wasn't it? Getting out of bed. But well done. You made it. Good to see you. So, um, so as I said, when Matt was talking to me back there, we, we lived in Derby, my family and I, for 27 years from uh, September 1979. So all of my children are, were born in Derby. And I've now got four grandchildren, uh, three boys and a little girl, a little 10-month-old girl. Uh, the only one in Derby is, is the 10-month-old little girl. Um, she's here with, with her mum and dad. She doesn't live here by herself, you know, and I'll be seeing her later on today. Her name's Sia Rose. She's gorgeous, of course. Any grandparents here this morning? Yeah, yeah. You can tell they're all smiling. And you know the famous saying that grandkids are God's gift to you for not killing your kids. Yes. <laughs> Some of you know exactly what I mean. And um, about... About five years ago, um, we, were living, we live in uh, Malvern in Worcestershire now. You know when you go down the M5, Birmingham M5 towards Bristol, and you see those hills on the right? Well, that's where Sally and I live now, and that's where Elim's uh, international offices are and the Bible College and everything. So um, uh, we were living down there, and one of our grandsons was born in Manchester, so we were zooming up the motorway to Manchester to meet Milo, Milo Gibbs. And uh, I was feeling a bit, you know, we'd been driving quite a while. I was feeling a bit tired. So I thought, I need a coffee. So we went through one of these drive throughs McDonald's drive throughs So we pulled her by the hole in the wall, and I wound down the window. And there's the assistant standing there. He's about, he's about nine. And uh, he goes, uh, yeah. And I said, good morning. How are you? Uh-huh. I said, it's a brilliant day, isn't it? I said, you're never going to guess what's happened today. I don't know. I said, Milo Gibbs has been born in Manchester. We're just going to Manchester, my wife and I. We're just going there to meet our new grandson. How good is that? I don't know. <laughs> what do you want? I said, I'll have a, I'll have a large latte, please. £1.89, thank you very much. He didn't seem very excited, you know. But I was dead excited. Because here's the thing, right? When you've got good news, um, it's the most natural thing in the world to want to share it, isn't it? Do you know what I'm saying? When you've got good news, you just want other people to hear your good news. And ladies and gentlemen, I want to suggest this morning, I, I know I don't have to convince you guys, but people like you and I, we have got the best news in the whole world to share with Derby. Amen. Okay, we've got this incredible, fantastic, remarkable, here's the big word, scintillating, come on, news about a God who loves them and wants to make all the difference in the world in people's lives. Amen? Now that's brilliant, brilliant news. So here's the question, what is it that stops us from actually sharing that good news with others. Now, there's lots of different ways of answering that question. Um, but this morning, what I want to do is I want to remind you that, 
that actually for you and I to live as confident believers in the 21st century and being confident about our faith and sharing this gospel good news message with people, it's more than simply learning a few tricks. It's more than simply having a few tools that we've picked up. It's more than just um, in some mechanical process or way um, getting on with sharing our faith with people. So I would love you, I would love it if you came to those four uh, Wednesday evenings under the influence. It's not the best name for a Pentecostal meeting, but there we go. I would love it if you came along. We're talking about how we influence people towards finding Jesus to be all that they have ever wanted or needed. Does that make sense? And uh, I'm going to be helping you, trying to train you, equip you with some tools that will help you to do that. But I want to say to you this morning, that is not the foundation. That is not the foundation that's going to help us to, um, to live it large for the Lord out there in this city. There's something far more fundamental and basic than that. And that's where I want to um, go this morning as we look at how we can enjoy being confident witnesses for Jesus Christ in the 21st century. We're going to start 2,000 years ago. I'm going to read to you from John's Gospel, chapter 14. A very famous passage, the words of Jesus. And um, this is uh, just before he's in the garden and he's arrested and put on trial some sort of kangaroo court, and then crucified. But he's got his disciples together, and this is what he says to them. Even though we're here this morning, 20 centuries later, Jesus still says, the living Lord Jesus still says these words to us. Amen? So listen to the words of Jesus this morning. This is what he says, John fourteen fifteen. If you love me, obey my commandments. And... I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them, are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them, and reveal myself to each of them. And uh, we'll stop just there for now. And God, in in that amazing way that he has and does, will bless the reading of his word to our hearts this morning. Amen? So here's what I want to do in the time that we have this morning. I want to give you a few reminders a few reminders about as we, as we seek to live, it, live our lives for Jesus Christ in this world, in the Western world, in the United Kingdom in the 21st century, let me give you some reminders about how we can do that and how God wants to so help us to do that. 
Now, listen, uh, this, this morning's message, it's not complicated. Anybody pleased? Yeah, me too, because I'm not very clever, but I can lift heavy things. So I'm going to be really simple this morning, but what I'm believing is this, that even through the words of a human being like me, God can speak right into your situation. Are you ready for that? Okay, otherwise, let's go home now. God wants to speak to us. Amen. I don't even know how God does this. How does he take the words of a human and apply his word to every single life in the place? But that's what he does, doesn't he? I've seen him do it so many times. So get ready. You hear two voices. You hear mine. Sorry, because it's a bit sort of black country, a little tinge of Chadderston in there. You know, but I mean, listen, for, and a little bit of the old posh Malvern. But listen for the voice of God. Listen for that voice inside. Not the one that you hear with your ears, but as God speaks right into your situation. How can we be confident in living for Christ and being witnesses for Christ in the 21st century? Number one, I want to remind you, as if you didn't know, he's with you. He's with you. So uh, when I went to college to train to be a teacher, I was training to teach geography and PE. I really wanted to be a PE teacher, but um, my my PE teacher at school said, you better do an academic subject because there's loads of PE teachers. Do PE on the side. So that's what I did. And I was a footballer when I was young. Uh, In fact, I used to play in the... Is there still this Derby Christian Football League? Does that still exist? Gone to the dogs. Well, when I used to live here, right, I used to play, and uh, the, the person I hated playing against was a guy called Kevin Pete. You remember Kevin? He used to be one of the pastors here, now one of our national leaders. Because Kevin, when he was young, he's a Chad lad as well. When Kevin was young, he was a brilliant footballer. I mean, he was so quick and such a great striker. He used to score like 60 goals a season, uh, you know, in, uh, down on the race course, you know, and all that. And, um, and I used to play up front as well, except when my team played Kevin's team, then they used to get me to mark him because uh, I was quite quick, but I wasn't as quick as him. And you may know Kevin's had um, new knees, plastic knees. He blames me because I used to kick him all the time, you know. But he's forgiven me because he's a Christian. So um, here's the thing. When I was at college, I was training to, to teach PE, and I was a footballer. But one week, one weekend, we did not have a match, but the rugby team did. So the captain of the rugby team, a guy called uh, Dice, I don't even know what his real name was, Dice, he asked me if I'd play for the rugby team. And uh, the problem was I had never, ever played rugby in my life. But I was a PE teacher, so I said, yeah, okay. So we get on the pitch, and I said to Dice, I said, so where do you want me to play? He said, play center. I said, what do I do? He said, right, so you stand in this line, and the ball comes out of the scrum, and then you all start running forwards, and the ball will come along the line, and eventually it will come to you. And when the ball comes to you, Gary, stick it under your arm and run as fast as you can in a a straight line until you are stopped. I thought, what does he mean? I didn't know what that meant, but I thought, that's fair enough. The captain says it. That's what we'll do. So the match starts. The ball comes out the scrum. It's coming along. We're all running in a sort of line together. The ball comes to me. Right. Stick it under your arm. Run in a straight line as fast as you can until you're stopped. And I looked up, and about 10 meters in front of me, looking at me, was a gorilla. I mean, this guy was massive. 
And he's like, I mean, there's like steam coming out of his nostrils and fire out of his ears. You know. And I, but by this time, you know, my, my momentum was going. I was up to full speed and I couldn't stop. And he, this guy is just about to crunch me when suddenly, off to my left, I heard this voice. It wasn't, it wasn't the voice of the Lord. It was a human voice. And I heard this voice. And this voice said two words. And they were the sweetest words that I had ever heard in my life. Because the words I heard off to my left were these words, with you, with you. And I thought, oh, great. And I passed the ball off to my left. This guy still crunched me. And I was still left feeling really, uh, well, concussed, to be honest. But for a split second, when I heard those words, it just felt like everything was going to be all right. Somebody was with me. Now listen to the words of Jesus that we read just a minute ago. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He'll never leave you. Now, who was he speaking about? Jesus carries on. He says, he, this advocate, is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Jesus himself. I'm really glad that Jesus clarified who he meant. Because, you know, if you talk to a Muslim, they will tell you that this advocate that will be given is Muhammad. That's what they make of that verse. But Jesus is really clear. He says, the advocate is the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit, Jesus says it like this. He says, listen, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll never let you down. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever circumstance that you're in in your life, Jesus says, I am with you. Let me tell you why that's important. It's important for a number of reasons, but mainly it's important for this. It's easy, if we're not careful, it's easy for people like you and me to start thinking that God lives here, in this place, yeah, in this building. I mean, we even sometimes talk about the fact that we're in God's house, don't we? Yeah, this is God's house. And it, if we're not careful, we can get this sort of idea in our heads that when we, we turn up on Sunday mornings, as you did a, you know, half an hour or so ago, and God sort of welcomes you into his house, morning, nice to see you, says God, and we sing some of our songs to him, and then God, uh, he's got a few things to say to us while we're here in his house. And then at the end of our time together, it's almost as if... <laughs> When we leave, God says, well, it's been, God says, it's been lovely seeing you. And, um, well, come again next week. Be nice to see you again. And, oh, feel free to pop in during the week. Because I'm always here if you want to pop in. Because this is my house. Bye. Now, how many of you know that is totally unbiblical? And when we talk about being in God's house, it's not this. It's this. We're God's house. We're the temple. Yeah, the people of God. We're living stones. And here's the truth. Jesus said that he's always with us. That, you know, the psalmist says, where can I flee from your spirit? You know, Psalm 139, wherever I go, you're always with me. Even in the darkest valley, Psalm 23, even when I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. 
So here's a question. Where will God be this time tomorrow? Where will God be this time tomorrow? Answer, he'll be wherever you are. (laughs) Wherever you are. doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing, whatever the circumstances are. You could be in the workplace. You could be having coffee with a friend. You might be sitting at home. You might be in a lecture or a school lesson. Whatever it is, he's there. He's there. Now, actually, that should be a real comfort to people like you and me. Amen? And it ought to be a warning as well. Because whatever you're up to, he's there. You say, well, Gary, sometimes it feels like God's gone away. That he's not there anymore. Anybody ever had that feeling in your life? That God's gone away? It's okay to say yes, don't worry. I've had those feelings in my life. But you see, the promise is he's never going to leave us. So even though emotionally, spiritually, we might feel, oh, God's gone walkabout. God's just left me to my own devices for a season. For whatever reason, it could be because we're in gross sin. It could simply be one of those dark times in our lives, one of those desert times. It's not that you're doing anything wrong. You know, it's just that we don't feel his presence. Anybody ever been there? Okay, it's called the dark night of the soul desert times. And many of us go through that. In fact, if you've, if you've been walking with Jesus for any length of time, you're bound to have been through something like that. But the fact is, whatever your experience is telling you, whatever your feelings are telling you, the truth is, he is still there. And I want to put it to you this morning like this. God is far more committed to you than you could ever be to him. Huh? He's far more committed to you than you could ever be to him. He's totally loyal. He's totally committed to this friendship, to this relationship that he's got with you. Now, that should be good news. That should be good news. He never leaves you to your own devices. He never leaves you just to get on with it. He's always there. Jesus said, I'm going to go. But I'm going to send you another advocate. So when, when the ascension happened, ascension is when Jesus went back to heaven after his resurrection, yeah? You know, and I know, what goes up must come down. So Jesus ascends to the Father, but then the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus comes into the world. And we celebrate that when we celebrate Pentecost. But actually, we should be celebrating that every single day in our lives. The Spirit is with us. Amen. And Jesus said he's an advocate. Jesus, the, 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 the people who translated the Bible, they're trying to find a word to make sense of the word that's there in Greek. The word is parakletos. And it means yet yeah, someone who stands alongside of you, someone who's there to bring you comfort, someone who's there to give you good counsel, someone who's there and they are your greatest supporter. That's the Spirit. And He's with you. Somebody, for goodness sake, smile at me. This is good news, isn't it? This is good news. Wherever you are, where you can never flee from his spirit. And I want to remind you this morning, he's with you tomorrow. He's with you on Tuesday. He's with you on, on 
on Thursday when you can't wait for the weekend. He's there. He's there. I also want to remind you about this. Not only that he's with you. I want to remind you that Jesus, by his spirit, actually now lives in you. Jesus said to the disciples in that passage that he's with you and soon he'll be in you. But now we live in the soon time. In fact, in the actuality that the spirit is in us. In fact, Paul says in Romans 8, the apostle Paul, he says, if you haven't got the spirit, you're not even a follower of Jesus. So if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, if you've committed yourself to following him, then his spirit now lives in you. Amen. So some time ago, um, I was praying. Um, I've prayed since as well. And uh, I, I said to God this, I said, Lord, what is it? Lord, I said, Lord, I'm confused. I'm confused. Why is it that when I go to places like, say, Africa... I mean, the most amazing things happen. I mean, it's like miracles are just like dropping off my fingertips and people are getting healed and lots of, I mean, thousands of people become your followers, Lord Jesus. And, and I hear the same stories from places like, you know, China and, um, you know, Latin America. And, you know, because you, you do understand that right here, right now, you are living on a planet that's experiencing massive Christian revival. You know that, don't you? I mean, the church is growing hand over fist. People are coming to Jesus in their lorry loads. And I was saying to God, God, why not here? Why not, why not in the UK? What's going on? And as I prayed that prayer, um, I had like this photograph in my head, come into my head. And this picture that I'm seeing in my head is like... Um, It's of a car, a sports car, a brand new sports car. And the nearest I can imagine to it, because I'm not really into cars in any big way, but the nearest that I can imagine to this would be the old E-type Jaguar. Some of you are old enough to remember those, aren't you? They were like two-seaters with a massive front bonnet with an incredibly big engine under there, you know? So, uh, and then this photograph turned into a movie in my head. And in the movie, I'm sort of walking around this. It was brand new. It was cherry red, beautifully waxed, massive sports car. And I'm, I'm walking around and thinking, whoa, fantastic. And then this voice says to me, look at the engine. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that would be incredible. Brand new, not even been switched on. So I lifted the bonnet, this big bonnet, you know, like in this in this video in my head that's been playing. I lifted the bonnet and I looked there into the engine cavity where there should have been this big, what would it be, V6, V something massive. What would it be, John? V6 engine. And there, I knew John would know, and there in the cavity, there was dangling on little cotton threads a Scalectrix engine. This big, just dangling there in the middle of this big hole. I almost don't have to explain it to you, do I? I mean, God says to me, there's the challenge. Because Christian believers and and churches, you know, on the outside, you know, we scrub up pretty well, don't we? I mean, look at you this morning. You're looking good. You're looking looking good. And we have our buildings and we have our programs and we have our PAs and we have our our data projectors. and, And there's nothing wrong with that. It's fantastic stuff. But when you look under the bonnets, 
What drives us? What is the power that drives us forwards into the plans and purposes of God? And sometimes I think it's like we're trying to do this thing on the spiritual equivalent of a Scalectrics engine. Whereas what God wants is something so much more than that. In fact, I want to say to you this morning, God has for you and me so much more. So much more than we've ever experienced, than we know right now. He has more of his presence for you. He has more of his power to be at work in your life. He has more of his glory that he wants to release. Glory is Godness. He wants more of that to be flowing in our lives. And yet so often the danger is, ladies and gentlemen, that you and I, we can settle for yesterday's experience. We can settle for a testimony, for a story that talks about what happened yesterday or 10 years ago or 20 years ago. I was preaching somewhere a while ago and a chap came up to me at the end. This is so that you don't do this. This guy came up to me and says, Gary, nice to meet you. My name is, told me his name. I said, hi, nice to meet you. He said, I just want you to know that I am a born again, water baptized, spirit filled, tongue speaking believer. Hallelujah. I don't, I don't know what he wanted. Maybe he wanted a chocolate or something. And, you know, I was nice to him and everything, but I'm driving away afterwards and I'm thinking, so what? I mean, so what? I mean, it's great. The guy's a follower of Jesus. But his story stops when he got filled with the Spirit the first time. Baptism in the Spirit. Yeah, that's the end of it. As if God hasn't got anything more for us. As if that's the end of it. Well, if it was the end of it, God might as well take us straight off to heaven once we get filled with the Holy Spirit. God has got more. Amen. He's got more for you and me than we've ever possibly understood. So here's what I want to do right now. I want to pray a prayer over you, if that's okay. It's not my prayer. I'm going to read it to you. It's actually straight out of the New Testament. Paul, the Apostle Paul, he writes to this church in Ephesus. And he's obviously concerned that they haven't realized that there's more. That there's more than they've experienced right now. I mean, he's telling them that he wants them to know the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So that they may know God better in chapter 1. And then in chapter 3, he prays this prayer. It's so powerful. If we have eyes to see, if we have our hearts that are open to receive from God, even though these words are 2,000 years old, these words of the Apostle Paul could change our lives this morning. If we would agree with what he prays over us, this, even though dead, he still speaks. Amen. So this is a prayer from Ephesians 3. Now, I don't know how how hungry you are this morning, how thirsty you are for more of the presence and the power of God in your life, for more of his spirit. But listen to me, God can always increase our capacity for him. It's not that you get full and that's the end of the story. There's always more. And this morning, if you would, I'd like to invite you with me to go for the something more. So that the scale electrics becomes the V6. And even 
so that the V6 becomes sort of some sort of Rolls-Royce aero engine inside of us. Woo! Oh, they're still good, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. We believe that, don't we, in Derby? Aero engines, best in the world around here, aren't they? Come on. Forget Pratt & Whitney. It's Rolls-Royce. Let's stand to our feet. Let's stand up. Everybody stand. And let me ask you, just in your own heart, I mean, just close your eyes for a minute. It'll help you. Just close your eyes. And just in your own heart to say to God, God, I'm ready for more. God, I'm ready for more of you. It's not that God's holding back from us this morning. God is not some Ebenezer Scrooge. He wants to give us more of himself. He wants to fill us afresh to greater capacity. So here is the prayer. Receive this prayer as from the Holy Spirit. Paul writes these words. I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches... He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Can you receive that this morning? Filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Holy Spirit, come upon us. Lord, we come before you, your people, thirsty, hungry for more of you. We know that you're in us already. Be in us more. Fill us even more. Increase your presence in us. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, immeasurably more, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. His power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Lord, by your Spirit, do it in our lives today. We want you to be in us. We want you to be flooding through our lives. We want streams of living water to flow from deep within us and out into the spiritual desert around us that others might find the spiritual life that only Jesus can give. Just wait a moment. More of you, Lord.
modgiv. Hvis krollet tager ikke i set. Folks, he's with you. He's with you all the time. He's in you and wants to be in you more and more. He, I want to remind you, he is for you. <laughs> he's for you this morning. If God is for us, come on, who can be against us? He who did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Isn't this incredible? I'd been following Jesus for about a year. I was about 18 years of age. And I remember somebody saying this to me in church one time. It's crazy. But this is what they said. They said, Gary, older person it was, Gary, if you don't want to be a missionary, if you don't want to be a missionary in darkest Papua New Guinea, don't let God find out. Because if God finds out that you don't want to be a missionary in darkest Papua New Guinea, guess what will happen? Anybody ever heard anything like that? It's a weird idea, isn't it? So get this right. Here's Gary, 18, praying. Oh God, please don't send me to darkest Papua New Guinea to be a missionary. Amen. And the prayer ascends heavenward. Now God's not listening because God's not bothered, but he's got an angel on duty leaning over the parapet of heaven, having to listen in, and the, the angel hears my prayer. So the angel rushes into the presence of God and he says, hey God. And God says, what? You know Gary Gibbs? I've heard of him. Guess where, where he doesn't want to go? Guess what he doesn't want to do? What? He doesn't want to be a missionary in Papua New Guinea. And God goes, oh, great. Guess where we're going to send him then? I mean, what a perverted view of who God is. Can I remind you this morning, folks, that God is your dad. He's your dad. He's a good dad. I mean, some of us, we've had good dads. Some have had average dad. Some have had stinkers of dads, haven't we? But listen, you imagine the very best dad in the whole world who loves you. Even more than that, he likes you. He likes somebody. Smile at me again. He likes you. He doesn't like everything that you do, but he does like you. You're his kid. He's generous and kind. He's always there for you. He believes the best of you. One of my friends said this. He said, God is not disillusioned with us because he never had any illusions in the first place. He knows all about you. He knows your story, but he still likes you. Isn't that incredible? And this God, this Father in heaven, well, there's nothing that you could ever do or say. There's no way you could ever go. There's nothing you could ever get involved in that would stop him from loving you. He's for you. He's on your side. He's on your side. And here's the astonishing thing. God has demonstrated, he's demonstrated how much he's on your side in the most remarkable way. A couple of weeks ago, I was back home and uh, Pastor Dave was staying with us. You, you know your pastor? Do you remember him? Yeah. Dave was uh, staying with my wife and I. And um, 
we had the post arrive and I picked up these two envelopes. One was from Barclay Card, Visa, and the other one was MasterCard. Uh, they come every month. And I opened them and I added up how much I owed. And I was shocked because it came to over 5,000 quid. And I'm sitting there looking at these bills because I'm, I'm, I'm in ministry. I mean, that's a lot of money, you know, a lot of money for anybody, isn't it? So I'm looking at this. I'm in tears. I mean, I was literally weeping. And I'm, th- what, I'm thinking, what has my wife been doing with those credit cards, right? And uh, Dave was in the front. I was in the kitchen. Dave was in the front room. And Dave came through to the kitchen. He said, what's wrong? And I said, look at this. 5,000 quid. What am I? And Dave said, uh, it's okay. I said, what do you mean? He said, give me the bills. He said, uh, I'm going to deal with it. You don't have to worry about anything. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, wow, what a guy. And then I woke up. (laughs) You were worried. (laughs) Everything I just told you was a lie. (laughs) But here's the truth. Here is the absolute truth. Listen to me. When Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was crucified, he paid a debt that he didn't owe. I owed that debt. Yeah. I mean, I owed God everything for the way that I've lived my life and the way that I've rebelled against him and just gone my own way and done my own thing. All of that shame. All of that accumulated rubbish in my life through the years. All that guilt, all of that regret. Jesus on the cross, he paid for it all. He bore the full weight of the penalty for my wrongdoing and shame. And because of what he did, because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of the power of the cross to rescue people like you and me, what it means is this morning, I can know for sure God is for me. He's shown it in the most incredible way. He's on my side. He's on your side. He's on your side. The only question this this morning is this. Are you on his side? He gave everything he had for you. You can't give any more than to die on the cross. A famous man once called it the self-substitution of God. God substituting himself in my place. Taking what I deserve to take on the cross. I was the one who deserved to die. I was the one who deserved to take the punishment. Jesus took it all. He's for us. Are you for him? Has there ever been a time in your life When you've made that conscious decision, Lord Jesus, you died for me, you gave 100%, I give 100% back to you. Because that's how this Christian thing works. And if you have, if there has been a time like that, let me remind you, he's still for you. He's not changed his mind, he's still on your side. And as we leave this morning and go back into the big wide world, I want you to remember it. He's with you. He's in you. He's for you. You can do this. You can live this life. We'll get some tools on Wednesday evenings, but that's not the fundamental issue. 
It's knowing that we know that we know that he's in our lives. Let's stand. We're going to pray. Rob, do you want to come back on the keyboards for a minute? Oh. I'm going to ask you to do something, if you would, uh, this, this morning as we finish. I want you to respond to what God has said into your heart this morning. Like I said at the beginning, God has this way of speaking to us as individuals. And it might be, I'm sure it is this morning, that for some of us, well, let me start from the back and work towards the front. First of all, you could be here this morning, and as far as you know, you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never welcomed him into your life. You've never asked him to rescue you, to, to, to forgive you, to give you a fresh start. You've never welcomed him into your life. Well, do you know what? I can't think of any better time or place than, than right here, right now, this morning, in God's church, amongst God's people, to make that decision. And I don't know your story. I don't know where you're standing in the church building this morning. But I know this. God, he knows all about you. And he wants you to know all about him. He wants you to know him as a father who loves you. He wants you to know what it is to have the past dealt with and to have a brand new start in life. He wants you to know what it is for his power to change the bad stuff in your life into good things and the wrong things into your life into, into right things. And I'm going to ask you to do something in a moment with other people. I'm going to ask you, if that's you this morning, as we sing a song of worship in a few moments to close our meeting, I'm going to ask you to come from wherever you're standing right now. You might be in the main floor. You might be up in the balcony. That's, that's okay. But I'm going to ask you to come and stand here at the front. And by walking forward, you're saying to God, God, I'm serious enough about this to make that journey from where I'm standing to the front of the church. And before God's people to say by walking forwards, I want to follow Jesus Christ. It could be that you're here this morning and you know that there's been a time in your life when you've done that. But just this morning, you feel like God has been prompting something afresh. And you say, God, I just want to do something uh, publicly and personally as well to show that I mean business in following you out into this world. Not simply to turn up at church on a Sunday and then more or less forget about it for the rest of the week. I want this to be a serious commitment with you. Maybe you just need a fresh sense this morning of God's blessing upon your life so that you can bless others out there. Particularly with the gospel. You feel like, God, please bless me so I can bless others. Whatever your situation this morning, if you fit into those categories, then I'm going to ask you right now, right now, to move from where you're standing, to come and meet me down here at the front as a wave saying to God as you come, God, I'm serious. I want to meet you in a fresh way. Would you do that right now? Thanks, guys. Just come and stand along the front. If you're up in the balcony, God's spoken to you. You can come down the stairs. We'll wait for you. Join these other people. And then we're going to pray together and ask God for a fresh encounter with him. Thank you. Just feel free to move now. You, you might say, well, Gary, I'm in the middle of a row. People would be delighted for you to tread on their toes. That's okay. Just get out of the row and come and stand with these other people. Difficult thing to do. I know that. But so important. There's no such thing as private Christianity. Yeah? The privacy kills the Christianity or the Christianity kills the privacy, one or the other. 
So make a decision. If you need to do that today, to come and join, join these other folks here at the front as we pray and as we conclude our meeting together. Do we have a ministry team? Who can, Rob, people can come and pray with these guys now. Come and stand with them. Identify with them. And bless them and pray for them. If you're coming, you need to come right now because we're, we're basically through our service. But I, I would hate it if you left this morning with some sense of regret because you knew that God had spoken into your heart and you hadn't actually made that decision to come. So you can come right now. If you need to do that, you can come and join these others and we'll pray together. Father, we're so grateful for your presence with us. We want to say, Father, that we love you and that we love our Lord Jesus. Thank you for all that you've done in our lives. Thank you for these, these women and men who this morning are saying a fresh yes to you. A fresh yes to you. Meet them at the point of their yes this morning, Father. And may they know your presence, your forgiveness, your power at work in their lives as they respond to you. And Father, this morning as always, we give you all of the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.